Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are delivering another Q&A episode. These are the best. I love them. Yeah, I love our Q&As. You know, we, we do love when you girls send through your questions and, you know, it obviously gives us a chance to expand on our knowledge as well. Yeah, and it worked out well because we didn't really know what we were going to talk about today. So thank you to everyone who did ask a question. It gave us something to talk about. <laughs> it's, always a good, it's always a good conversation though, Danny. It doesn't matter. We just get on here and talk, talk shit anyways. That's right. Um, so where are you, Sherelle? You're back. We're closer together, but we still can't catch up. I know. So obviously everyone, um, you know, this will be released next week, but it's like day three, I guess, of ISO 3.0. So Melbourne's gone into stage four, which is just nuts. I did not think that we would get to this. Um, But, you know, everyone, I guess the last few episodes have been talking about being back at home in the farm and the country and now coming back to Melbourne. And, you know, one bedroom apartment, stage four restrictions. It's very surreal, but you know, it is what it is. And I just hope that this is it so we can spend Christmas with our families. Yeah, we just got to hit it hard now and abide by the rules, do what we're told, and then get on with it. Fingers crossed. But the 8 pm curfew, you know, that's like, I start winding down at 8 pm anyway, I suppose. But, um, I know. Not that's ideal what I was for like. else. Yeah. No. It just, I think that the curfew, the only thing that sort of makes me a bit eerie is I feel like I'm in like an episode of the hundred, you know, when they just got social obedience um, written all over the street, mm-hmm. because even today, you know, I was at Maribyrnong, um, which is within that 5k proximity. I'm like, let me get out and get some air. And a police car pulled up next to me, right? right? Pulled up next to me because I've just brought a new car and I actually brought it off my mum. So it's still registered as Swan Hill oh, um, while the paper. Yeah. So she pulled up and uh, I wound down the window and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> what am I doing? And she was like, she and she was so lovely. Like, don't get me wrong, she was so lovely. And she's like, um, I presume that you don't live in Swan Hill. And I was oh. like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, no, this is my mum's car. And thankfully, without makeup, I look about eight years old. So she was like, okay, that's fine. Um, where do you live? And I was just like, um, I live in Flemington. I swear on school holidays. No. Um, just tell them yeah. where you lived on this. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Flemington's a big suburb. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, moral of the story is that shit is real here in Melbourne. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, when I was away and I was even chatting to Luke every night, it felt like it was not real. Like where I was, was completely separate. And then this was just this pandemic or this disaster that was happening in this la-la land. And I think for a lot of people that aren't in Melbourne, it, it potentially looks like that. You know, I get on Instagram and I'm like watching people like out for breakfast and at the gym and it's like, we're just in this disaster on our own. And I know that's not the case, but that's definitely what it feels like. It sure does. And yeah, I suppose it would have been a bit of a shock to you coming from Swan Hill back here. I mean, you know, I've been here the whole time, obviously. So it's, you kind of get used to it, but um, mm-hmm. it's still not easy every day. It's just like, oh, all right. But what can mm-hmm. you do? More time for us to make podcasts and spend time on exactly. the Exactly. So. Exactly. More time with you. So, you know, what are we chatting about today, I guess, Danny? Yeah, there are a few different themes and we've sort of grouped them together. Uh, The first theme of questions are training related and pain related. So 
Let's get stuck into it. Who's on the name duty first? You are. All right. How did I know that was coming? I love testing you every time. So the first one from Beck J. Griffiths. What are some good cues for movements like pull-up, bench, et cetera, et cetera? Amazing. So I think the most forgotten cue and the most important cue for bench press, pull-ups, all these are what's happening at the shoulder blades. Shoulder blades down and back or shoulder blades into your back pockets, even on a bench press. Because if we don't have our shoulder blades retracted and set down nice and strong and tight, we're going to have an unstable shoulder and then the smaller muscles will overcompensate for that stability and then we can end up in pain. Um, mm. Yeah, that's my answer. I just want to add in here, Beck. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to message you after this. This is one of my clients. Um, so I, I love that she's contributing to the podcast. Um, so <laughs> this is the best. I was, like, I was like, where do I know that Instagram handle? And I was like, oh, there. Um, but like you said, something interesting that I always find with upper body training, right, is that a lot of girls, or I find that when we get into training with upper body, you've got to let your body move freely. You know, a lot like coaching without coaching, so to speak. You know, I've always been told, pin your shoulder blades back and down, right? Retract and depress, pin it down. But there is a time and a place as well to take your shoulder blades through its full range of motion. Um, and I think that's... A appropriate with pull-ups, with shoulder press, with bench press, everything. And I contribute um, not having any shoulder issues as well or any pains or chest or upper body issues from not being coached incorrectly from the start. Like I was with lower body, so to speak, a lot of um, prompting and coaching. Sometimes it's really important to move with comfort and move to what's comfortable for you. Yeah, that's really good. I suppose when we are doing the pull-ups, the shoulder blade back and down is only for the first part, but, but we want to be able to hang there with our shoulders up towards our ears first and then bring them down, but then bring them through the full range. Bench press is different. We do want them pinned behind us mm. on the bench um, as we come down. But then, yeah, you're right. When it comes to the movements, we do want to take them through the full range of motion. Push-ups as well is another one. Often people bring their shoulder blades up to their ears on the push-up and their arms are in a T-shape, which isn't ideal. We do need that shoulder blade retraction on push-ups. Um, mm. And if you find that you struggle to activate your lats or bring your shoulder blades down and back before those big compound movements, start with your activations with bands perhaps chest pull, um, shoulder big three where you're lying on your front, bringing your arms back behind you and then warming up the lats as well, one arm at a time. Then get into the compound. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 100%. It's a really good point and I love what you said about the push-ups there as well because it's a very unique exercise and I think they're very undervalued because mm -hmm. it's one of the only exercises that allows your scapula to move through its full range of motion um, without being under a, like, you know, a heavy load like dumbbells or so to speak. Mm. Um, but, you know, strength is gained in the range that it's trained, you know, and that's really important to remember with pull-ups is what you see a lot of the time, right, is bodybuilders in the gym like thrusting through this this lap pull-down yeah. or this pull-up and I'm like, 
like, what the hell are they doing, right? <laughs> um, and it makes sense, right, if you want to isolate the lats because we know that when we're in that hanging position, right, like we're not actually using a lot of that lats, but joint health and training your joints um, in those positions is still equally as important because, again, strength is um, gained in the range it's trained. So you've got to train the whole range of motion. Really good. Let's mm. move on. Um, Aaron Hill, 92, tennis elbow. What causes it? Weak brachialis and the best way to alleviate the pain and rehab slash prehab. Danny, you're on for this one. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Um, so yeah, a lot of people think that when they have pain at the elbow, that the treatment point is the elbow. Well, no, actually, when it comes to sort of any pain or dysfunction in the body, the area that is overcompensating the most will end up in pain. So whenever it comes to tennis elbow or pain at, at the elbow, we must look further up the chain. Okay, what's happening at the shoulder? What's happening in the mid-back? And what's happening at the neck? Because similar uh, discussion to what we were just talking about, if we don't have that full range of motion through the shoulder and we're stiff through the upper back, a lot of the movement in our daily life or in the gym will be coming from the elbow. And all the structures surrounding the elbow are quite small. So imagine those tiny structures trying to do the job of the lat or of the bigger muscles. They're going to get sore. So I suppose treatment or best way to alleviate that pain is to work on mobility through the upper back, whether you're arching over your chair in the office at home or a foam roller or the bench press bar, get some extension, get some rotation, and then also get movement through your shoulders, taking it through the full range of motion and opening up your chest. One last factor once you've done that is to really address how you're rowing and pulling, making sure that when you're pulling, bring your shoulder blades back first rather than pulling from the elbow and bicep first. Mm. Yeah, because that is something common that you see when people are rowing is that they're using a lot of their bicep. Mm. Something I really like is um, playing around with the setup of a dumbbell standing row and, like I said, getting full extension of that shoulder blade, like training it through its full range. Um, and I love doing that, like, at the moment or at the moment before all this. I had that as an A1 series because it was actually a really good way to warm up the thoracic back and the thoracic spine um, and get some movement through that rotation or that anti-rotation. Um, but like you said there, Danny, you know, the problem is never the problem. And I think it's really important to um, investigate what's going on at those major joints, such as your shoulder. Yeah, for sure. All right. On to the next one. Milinski, 87. Ever had pain in one glute and foot on the same side? How to investigate the issue? There's no tingling or shooting pain. Okay. Um, so no tingling or no shooting pain means it's probably not a disc. So that's fine. Um, and then I suppose if the pain is on each side, on the same side, you can kind of put the links together and say, well, is there something happening at the hip that's causing that foot pain or vice versa? That's often the case. If we have a weakness in the chain, the surrounding structures will compensate. Um, I suppose it's really about finding where your weakness is and then making it your strength. So is there instability at the glute? Is it not firing? 
Do you have poor foot mechanics? Are you a bit wobbly when you're standing on one leg? Again, it's a general question. I have to give a general answer. Find the weakness and turn it into your strength. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the times, you know, when it comes down to like rehab and, and prehab and exercise and everything, it's really important to focus on the technique. And that's, you know, a lot of these issues are resolved in focusing on like how you're doing a lot of the movements, right? Like what we've just been chatting about. Something I notice in a lot of technique reviews is like what you said, what's going on at the foot. It's the first thing I look at when people are doing split squats and stuff like that. It's like, whoa, like, you know, mm. anabolic toe lifts or like, you know, just all that instability at the ankle. And what you got to realize is like, yeah, we can put an ankle brace on it or we can just train that instability. It's going to be unstable. It's important to, to roll with that because all like naturally over time, that sort of stuff will just resolve. I'm a little yeah. bit confused um, about ever had pain in one glute and foot. So what's the foot pain? Like the plantar fasciitis sort of pain or is that um plantar fasciitis <laughs> that's it you so that's it <laughs> <laughs> yours was very fancy yours was fun sir elegant um, elegant well it could be again if there is something happening at that glute or the lower back causing pain in the glute um maybe she doesn't want to step on that side it, it really depends it's hard to tell without screening but it could come down yeah. to yeah, lack of movement through the ankle causing pain. It's really hard to, to answer, I suppose. Mm. Do you want to read off the next one? Um, yes, because this person has an amazing name. Her name is Danielle. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> right. Easy. This was you, wasn't it? Sliding was in the oak. <laughs> yeah, this was, she's a little, she's six years younger than me though, born in 98. Oh, to be that young again. Um, she says, Danny, as an osteo, how do you look after your body and not burn out training and working? Well, luckily I've got Sherelle to catch me up. In the last episode, she gave me advice from my old self saying, you should listen to yourself last week because we'll talk about self-care. And I suppose you can put in with this too, Sherelle, with your work, but when you're so passionate about something and you just keep doing it, I find it hard to stop. And yeah, because it's all you think about. It's all you sort of do, particularly in lockdown. I've got nothing else to do. Um, so when it comes to not burning out, sleep for me is my number one non-negotiable. Making sure I get a seven or eight hours sleep every night and then just recognizing, okay, my cup's filling up a little bit too much now. What activity can I do to regenerate and, and get some energy back? How have you gone, Sherelle? You know, it's really interesting because when I think about burning out, what people think about or what I used to think about was time. Like, oh, well, if I work 12 hours, I'm going to burn out. It's actually not the case. When it comes to burnout, it's more about energy. So, you know, energy, like conserving your energy is really important. But like what you said, Danny, when you're really passionate about, you're actually not burning through as much energy. And we always talk about this cup, right? Like mm -hmm. you've got one cup full of energy. Be careful of where you pour it. So, you know, for some, for example, like some things that I do, for example, training, it's not like, yes, obviously we're physiologically burning energy, but it's not burning through gas for me. Like it's not draining to be there. It's not draining out of my cup. It's actually adding to my cup. 
So mm. what you've got to do is have that bit of push, bit of pull, like knowing what fills your cup and what pours from your cup. Because yes, we have to pour from our cup throughout the day, but making sure that you do the things that allow you to refill that cup, to, to re-energize, rejuvenate, so that you can give that energy into the areas that you want to. Because, you know, don't forget, we've all got to do shit that we don't want to do. But majority of your day shouldn't be filled up with that. So it's not about asking what can I do uh, or what, what, what do I need to do less of to burn out, I guess, like taking away. It's about adding. And, you know, like you said, like, you know, sleep, same for me. It's, it's a big non-negotiable. But sometimes sleep's compromised. So mm. what else can I do? Or what can I get rid of? You know, those toxic things, that's what you need to work on getting rid of. So you don't always feel burnt. Yep. And similar to what you said in either last week or the week before, how you asked Luke, how are you okay going to sleep knowing not everything's done? And um, it was brilliant. I mean, it's okay to go to sleep knowing there are still things to do tomorrow, even though this does my head in. Um, Mm. But then it would also do my head in if I had nothing to do the next day, which, um, you know, the high achiever syndrome, it's crazy. So then Mm. just prioritizing throughout the day Um, your tasks and just really not packing the schedule too full has been Mm. a game changer. Yeah. And also understanding like what your parameters are. Like it's taken me a long time to figure out like when I've got so much going on, I need to have me time. And that means like, you know, not getting back to people in your DMs, like conserving that energy. Sometimes it's okay to conserve it because you can't always give 100% of yourself to everyone else. Mm. Um, Again, like putting your own oxygen mask on first, which is what we always say. That's it. Let's move on to the next one. You're up. Rhiannon? Rhiannon? Rhiannon C. Best refresher course for a PT who studied but never practiced. Great question. Great question because, you know, the fitness industry is very interesting when it comes to personal trainers. You know, it's not very well regulated in terms of like PT certifications. You know, there's a lot of um, businesses that um, do run the Cert 3 and Cert 4 so that you can get qualified. But, you know, can I just give um, Rhiannon the reassurance in that you really don't learn much, as you know, in that Cert 3 and 4, and it really does come down to... um, one, like talking the talk and walking the walk. So practicing what you preach, um, being your own science experiment, which is what we always talk about. Um, and then just getting in and being okay to fail. Like, you know, you, you should be failing and you shouldn't be scared of, I guess, um, like, yes, there comes a point where you need to be confident and doing things that are safe. But, you know, if you are talking the talk and walking the walk, you're not going to put through people through unsafe practices. Mm, very good. And, I suppose there aren't really any refresher courses. They're all just different courses, but I suppose they can be quite overwhelming because there's a lot of content out there, like a lot. So I think it's really important just to start with one or find someone who you look up to or want to learn what they're doing and then see which courses they've done. If If that person doesn't run a course themselves, See who they hang out with, see where they learn, which books they read. Might not necessarily be a course, but really uh, fine tune you and your niche. Again, we spoke about this in getting started in the fitness industry. You know, trial it, find a mentor, and find out what they're doing. It's a good way to start. Otherwise, you can just pick and choose courses and become a course junkie. I remember I used to do that. I'd do so many courses, but then never really apply it. So just start with one 
and, and apply what you learn there, then move on. Yeah. And something um, as well that I think is undervalued, which we've always talked about, is going through coaching yourself and a coaching yeah. process. Like, I think that's um, a really good way to, one, be able to um, work or be a project with one of your mentors. You know, it's very different to actually being coached um, and then doing a course. You know, they're two separate things. Yeah. Um, but if you can, I guess, have the base knowledge and then get the coaching and apply it, it's really beneficial for your own learning and your own growth. And then as well, like learning what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Like being like, I've had coaches where I've learned, you know, things that I wouldn't want to do as a coach and vice versa. So that's really important starting in um, the fitness industry as a trainer, if you want to embark in the coaching um, training route as well. Awesome. Andre K. Oh, as can I read this? Okay, go for it. I just love the way that this is, um, this is written. As yeah. a male, how do I keep my missus positively in, motivated and progressive in training? I just love that he called her his missus. It's great. Yeah, good on him. Good on you, Andre, Andrew, and Andrew, Kate. Thank you for listening. Yeah, the boys. You know, I've been making a big effort to not say girls. So <laughs> You've only said that... it once this episode, but it's okay. <laughs> we haven't forgotten about the men who listen thank you very much you're absolute legends and it is important um so Sherelle go for it oh god am I the, am I the <laughs> I guess I do have a missus um <laughs> so you know, it's a really interesting question I think it's a really good one because you know if there is anything I've learned and this doesn't have to be applied to your missus it's just to your partner in general you know like Obviously, um, Luke's very much a sportsman. You know, he doesn't um, weight train and we have very different um, priorities and I guess, um, what do you call it? Like interests, you know, obviously training is a big passion of mine and it's not so much of his. Like, so for me, like, you know, when we first started, I almost wanted it to be. And I think for a little while I tried to push it onto him and be like, come to the gym with me, come and do this, come and do that. And now that I look back, it's, it definitely wasn't the right approach. Um, one, because, you know, you can't force someone to do something that they don't want to do. And I think that's really important. They have to come to their own realization if that's something that they even want to do. So in regards to, um, you know, your situation, how how do I keep my missus positively motivated and progressive in training? The best thing that you can do is just support her. Um, you know, ask her questions, stay interested, ask her how she's going with her training. Um, it's a two way street. So what do you think, Danny? Like, I guess it doesn't have to be with your partner, but a friend, like how would you keep them motivated? Yeah, it could be a friend or a family member that you live with. I remember when I was first becoming a PT, I wanted, poor mum copped it so bad. I wanted her to come to the gym with me. Yep. Come on, mum, we're <laughs> doing this because I knew how good it made me feel. So mm. I really just tried to push everything on her, which pushing things on people is not the way to get a result. They have to come to the realisation if they want to do it or not. Um, <laughs> But as you said, supporting them, checking up on them. Look, she doesn't go to the gym, but she does her own things. I mean, her mm. work's so active and things like that. So it's really about, yeah, if you have that relationship where you can sit down together and maybe come up with some small goals together or do it together. I don't know. It's hard because at the end of the day, just like with a coach and a client, you can't force anyone to do anything. And if they don't actually want to do it, it's a little bit tricky. So yeah. I suppose you can just, he can just lead by example and then that's probably the best mm. way to do it. 
Yeah, exactly. Role model the behavior. I think that's really important. So like if you're role modeling something, um, it doesn't have, you know, they may not mimic exactly what you're doing, but they're going to, you know, embody the same values that you do, whether it's health or mindset or whatever it might be and pick up these little habits that you potentially do as well, which is, um, you know, very flattering. Um, but what I was going to say was that, you know, when it comes to motivation, it's something that has to come within as well. So again, just supporting and showing some interest is generally enough. Yeah. And might I add like, God, the, the times that Luke and I have tried to go to the gym together never mm. ends well because I just end up coaching him and, <laughs> and it's like it's like it's not the right way to go. So I think it's one thing <laughs> taking criticism from a coach or from a friend, like, oh, you know, like, you know, taking constructive criticism. It's second nature with your partner. Like if Luke tells me to do something, he's like, have you tried? I'd be like, uh, yeah. what? Like, it's different. <laughs> it's different. So, yeah. you know, um, it's tread tread carefully <laughs> mm-hmm. try find an activity that you both like doing um ride your bike or play sport or something like that maybe like yeah 100 percent. Mix it up awesome all right darling river rose oh, a 48 day cycle is this normal how to train it when it's not a clear four week cycle Hmm. I can relate to you, my dear, because I'm still waiting for my cycle to regulate. So, but I'm still training. I suppose for me personally, while things are balancing out, so to speak, it's still really important to listen to your body because as you go through all parts of your cycle, whether it's longer or shorter, your body still gives you signs. And through some of the weeks, you're going to feel more tired. Through some of the weeks near ovulation, you're going to have more energy. So for me personally, I've still been paying attention to those signs and then going with that as well. Um, Sherelle, you're the expert on this. Um, you know, it's a really interesting question. Like obviously a normal cycle is around that 28 day mark, but you know, 80% of people will have like a period from like 21 days to sort of 35 and it's not classified as like late unless it's like a week or so over. But you know, I would say like, if you're having a regular 48 day cycle, like that's your normal, um, you know, you could be in that 10% outside of that normal bracket. So, you know, don't, um, don't be, I guess, comparing your cycle to another, like, yes, our biological clock, it's, it should be like clockwork, right? But if it's normal for you and you're still getting that bleed every month, then I wouldn't be overly concerned. Like obviously everything else matters, like your age, generally cycle short and as you get older. Um, so there's lots of other things like where you are, whether you've had children, all this sort of stuff. But again, a 48 day cycle, is it normal? It could be normal for you. Um, how to train when it's not a clear four week cycle. And just like Danny said, you know, it's about understanding that there's a time to push and a time to pull. So just still split your cycle in half. Um, again, like Danny said, there's some clear signs of ovulation and um, some people will get more energy around ovulation. Some will um, feel quite fatigued and lethargic around ovulation. So it's very dependent, but it's also just about knowing that, you know, in that first half of your cycle, you're more physiologically like a male, so to speak, hormonally. So you can push generally harder. And I wouldn't overthink it. It's just about knowing that, I guess, um, pre-menstruation, just before you do get that period, that perhaps it's a better time to pull back and back off your training. Mm, really good and if you do feel as though things aren't as regular as you'd like definitely have a listen to our episode with gab she uh throws out a lot of information and game-changing little tweaks you can make to your lifestyle to help regulate it mm, yeah 100 um 
Mattis Vanossi. Sorry, Madison. <laughs> Mattis Vanossi. How to make the most out of home workouts with limited dumbbells. And I feel your sister because um, I'm home workout at the moment as well. And it's um it's it's very interesting. You know, I've got through most of isolation without having to train at home, but I'm here now. I've got um, my spin bike and an easy bar with a few plates, which I'm yeah. very grateful for. Um, but yeah, you know, the same principles, and we did do an episode, I believe on this, the same principles yeah. do apply when it comes to training at home. It's just maximizing what you've got. So, you know, utilizing a higher rep scheme as well, because when one goes up and one goes down, one must go down in terms of volume and intensity. You know, if you've only got light dumbbells, then, you know, pushing for some higher repetitions would be optimal for this situation. Um, but I would recommend actually flicking back and having a listen to that last episode because we did a whole um, a whole spill on how to maximize your training at home. Mm, yeah, for sure. So higher reps, as you said, pauses. But yeah, we do have that episode. I think something really important, well, probably that I can relate to is just finding something that you're just going to have fun doing. I mean, yeah. start, I started bike riding, as I said, for the first time, and it was actually so fun. Yes, you can't really apply progressive overload and training principles, but if it's the difference between you working out versus not working out, do something that's going to get you through such a crap time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mental fitness is really important. And I think, you know, even me, like I've got this spin bike set up and, you know, like I've always loved cycling, but, you know, doing spin classes in, in the morning, I would have never thought I'd be doing it. But I actually generally like that. So for me, it's just about maintenance. Like, yes, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in my power to keep my glutes. But, you know, mm. if I lose a bit of muscle mass, if I gain a bit of body fat, so what? You know, like summer's going to still be there. Everything's still going to happen. The gym's still going to be there when it's all done. Um, and you'll be very surprised. And it's actually been reassuring watching my own clients get back into full training um, that aren't in Melbourne and mm. how quickly their body adapts. Because what oh, we yeah. have to realize is that when we, um, you know, with a trained, a trained body, if you've been training for a while, it's really hard to lose muscle mass. And what actually happens is the mitochondria just shrink so we or the cells just shrink we keep the muscle so that when we get back into the gym you know we it might feel like we go back to where we were just within a few weeks mm, yep really good really good let's move on Melinsky 87 again awesome thanks for the questions is 100 calories of potato the same as 100 calories of meat and pasta now, I remember I used to ask a question in primary school when you try and just be clever and trick everyone. What's heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? Yes, that is the same. However, it's different because it may seem like, well, 100 calories is 100 calories, but we'll use potato versus meat. You've got carbs and you've got protein. The calories are the same, but they're made out of different molecules. Is that the right word? Probably not um, macros. So it's going to have a difference on your body composition. So that's why macro counting is very important rather than just counting calories. Yes, at the end of the day, if you're eating less calories than what you burn, all right, you're going to have a similar result. But when it comes to body composition and building muscle, we need that protein. For hormones, we need fat. For brain power and energy, we need carbs. 
So yes, 100 calories is 100 calories, but they will have different outcomes in the body. Mm, 100%. Now, I think as well, it's really important for people to understand that calories and even macros is 50% of the battle. Like food quality and food sources matter. Um, Vitamins and minerals matter. And even like, you know, 100 calories of tofu versus 100 calories of chicken breast. Sure, they might have the same amount of protein, but the bioavailability of the protein is very different. So it's really, you can get so nitty and gritty. And I think yeah. we spoke about this um, with TR in the nutrition episode about like even things like fiber and all that sort of stuff. So it's really important, um, firstly, just to have variety and diversity in the foods that you're choosing. Um, and yes, calories matter, but also realizing that there's so much more to nutrition than that. Um, and you just need a wholesome, um, balanced diet uh, and hit the low hanging fruit. Like what we spoke about, like your protein intake and your overall calories as well as food quality are the most important and don't sort of sweat the small stuff. Mm, perfect. Perfect. Um, DH fit tips on IG for inspiring more girls to like and aim for being strong. Mm. I suppose, and we've spoken a little, I think we say that about every question. We've spoken about this because we've, we've spoken about a lot of things now. Episode 37 we're up to. But anyway, we did talk a little bit about social media. And personally, I think, first of all, it's great that you want to help inspire others to be strong and fit. Um, but then never lose who you are because there's a reason why people are drawn to someone's page and often it's because of their amazing, unique personality. So I think the most underlying, most important underlying factor is never to lose who you are as a person when you're putting content out on social media because there is a lot of the same out there. How you, you log on and it's just filled with workouts or motivational quotes or anything. What's the point of difference? The individual person who still includes their personality. So never mm. lose that. Yeah, personality is really important. And, um, you know, I was on a podcast recently and he said this thing that really stuck with me. He said, um, he said you know, he was at this seminar and he said to everyone, the guy presenting said, everyone who's trying to be more authentic on social media, put your hand up. And the whole audience put their hand up. And he was like, well, you're all doing it wrong. Because if you're trying to be authentic, you're actually going against mm. who you are. And that was really interesting because I was like, <laughs> so true because everyone's like, you know, be authentic. And it's like, stop trying and like, yeah. just just be you, think less. And I think as well, like a lot of people on their stories being like, you know, what do you want to see more of? And very cliche sort of stuff. And it's, um, it's not them intentionally doing it. It's not intentionally being like, how do I inspire more? It's you inspire people by showing your raw, real emotions and showing people that you're human um, and that you have struggles and that you bleed and you cry. And I think that's, that's, you know, what is strength? What is strong to you? That's for me, that's what strength is, is like not being authentic, but just being honest um, and showing that other side. So again, it comes down to you and, like what does strong being strong mean to you and how are you going to inspire other people is by showing that. Yep. Yep. And then very much practicing what you preach as well. We have to, no one likes the feeling of telling others to do something when we're not actually doing that. So living true and very much practicing what you preach, but then also giving value is what you're posting Mm -hmm. valuable to someone. It depends on what, level you want to um, inspire someone but your posts have to be of value that's why they're going to follow you in the first place 
So do you mm. provide entertainment? Do you provide knowledge? Do you provide workouts? Like really think mm. about, all right, what am I going to give? And then just keep, keep giving always. Mm. Yeah. And it also comes down to like, you know, D just being like, I just want to inspire more girls. Like if you don't have a business perspective for your Instagram, you know, you're not trying to sell products and all this sort of stuff. And you're just wanting to inspire other people just by putting yourself out there and, and posting what you're doing. Like a vlog is enough. You know, you don't need to have strategy. You don't need to have things that lure people in. You don't need to have it, you know, um, out there famous hashtags. If you're just wanting to inspire people, you know, you're probably already doing it. Mm. Amazing. That's a nice way to end it on a, on a warm and fuzzy like that. I love ending it on a warm and fuzzy. It is. Uh, it is. Cool. Well, that's our questions, actually. We got that, through that um, pretty well. So, yeah, lots of themes there from training to nutrition to motivation and, and inspiring others. So these are generally the topics that we get asked a lot about, um, which we really enjoy. So thank you for everyone who always interacts with us on the page or just really puts themselves out there asking a question because that can be quite daunting too. So we appreciate each and every one of you and everyone who listens as well. Yeah, 100%. And just like Danny said, you know, um, we do appreciate you guys and girls tuning hey, in job. on the <laughs> weekly. On the weekly. Um, and we love getting your recommendations through. So if there is a topic that you do want us to go um, more in depth with, um, please do send uh, a message through to the Instagram page and um, touch base with us. So again, if you did enjoy the episode, please do take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danielle and tag the Level Up podcast.